Well, I guess I better show you the picture. I told you not to laugh, right? Okay. And we're going to be talking about the church, which is the body of Christ. Now hold your finger here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want us to go over to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 23. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 23. And before I get there, we're talking today about the church as it is the body of Christ. The church is also described in the Bible as some other things. It is described as a building with Christ as the foundation, with Christ as the cornerstone, and with Christ as the builder. By the way, Christ is pretty important in a local church, isn't he? The church is also described as a flock, with Christ as the shepherd, and with Christ as the door. Christ is kind of important in the local church, isn't he? The church is also described as a bride, with Christ as the bridegroom. The church is also described as the branches of a vine, with Christ as the vine. And here, the New Testament church, the local assembly, is referred to as a body of Christ, with Christ as its head. So let's look at that in Ephesians chapter 5, and verse number 22. The Bible says there, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of what? The The head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. All right, now what does that mean? That means Christ is in charge of the church. Are you with me? That does not mean, by the way, that Pastor Robert Warnick is in charge of your church. Pastor Robert Warnick is not in charge of your church because he is not the head of your church. Christ is the head of your church. By the way, you have some deacons here. You have Jim Lively and Chris Hinchin. You know what this means? This means that Jim Lively and Chris Hinchin are not in charge of your church. Do you know who's in charge of your church? Jesus Christ. Because who is the head? The pastor? No. The deacons? No. You? No. Christ is the head. So what does that mean? That means that if we're going to do church, right, we better let Christ tell us how it's done. Okay? Listen, I'm not interested in... There, there's a lot... There's a lot... Well, I tell you, don't get me off track. There's a lot going on today in the name of church, and I want to tell you, they didn't get it from this book. Right. Amen. I want to go to a church that's going to define church the way Christ defined the church because Christ is the head of the church. And if Christ is the head of the church, then let me tell you, it might be called a church, but it ain't no church. That's right. It isn't a church. It's only a church if Christ is the head. And if Christ is the head, then it ought to be done a certain way because Christ is in charge. Amen? By the way, I'm glad, as much as I have gotten to know and love Pastor Warnick, Jim Lively, and Chris Henshin, I'm glad they're not in charge. Amen. Amen. Because if they were in charge, listen to me, any one of the three of them is going to make a colossal mess out of everything. By the way, if I was in charge, I'd make a big mess out of everything. Why? Well, because we're sinners. And because our pride is going to enter in from time to time. And because we're going to assert authority where we shouldn't assert authority, we're going to do things that we shouldn't do. But you know what? I'm thankful that Christ is the head of the church. And so you know one of the most humbling things that a person can do, and I have found this to be true in my life, is to go into the ministry and try to serve people. Because you can't do it the way that you want to do it. You have to do it the way Christ says to do it. And it is a humbling thing. Pastor, you may think that he's in charge. 
But he's not in charge. He's reporting to the man in charge, and he has to do it his way. Are you with me? So Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of Calvary Chapel Baptist Church. Okay? Now, how do you say, how do you know, Dustin, that it's not the entire body of Christ? How do you know that it's local? Well, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Now, the book of 1 Corinthians, who is it written to? It is written to the local church in a city named Corinth. Are you with me? So he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth, okay? And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 27, I want you to see what he says here. He says, now, ye are the body of Christ. What does he say here? He says, you, the church at Corinth, you are the body of Christ. So how do I know that it is a local and it's not some universal church? Because the Bible says so. Are you with me? Amen. All right, so this church then, you are meant to be, okay, the body of Christ. And the Bible teaches us that you are members in particular, okay? In other words, there's different jobs for every person to do and different roles for every person to play, all right? So 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read verse number 12. The Bible says, actually, let me read verse 15. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. Look at verse number 21. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Now, everyone has a different role. But together, we are to function as the body of Christ. Now think about this just for a minute, physically, about a body, okay? Now, the foot cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Because the foot does need the hand, doesn't he? The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Because it's all part of the body. Are you with me? All right, now... I put some things up here, and Chris, I am sorry to do this to you, but I made you a foot, all right? Amen. Okay? Huh? Feet are good. Feet are very useful, right? So we'll just leave it at that, right? All right? So Chris, maybe Chris here in the body of Christ, okay, maybe Chris is a foot, all right? And what do I have here? I have, I have Jim here being a hand, okay? And uh, where's Miss Becky? There's Miss Becky. All right, Miss Becky, I, I put you down as an ear. Is that okay? That's fine. That's all right. All right, Miss Becky's going to be an ear. And uh, Brother Mike, where are you at? There he is, right there, right? Brother Mike, you get to be an eye. Is that all right with you? That's good, because I can't change the slides at this point, okay? <laughs> so we're kind of stuck here, all right? Now, uh, would those of you, would you just stand up here for a moment, uh, if you don't mind? Brother Mike, Becky. All right, so here we are, okay? Now, we know that if the body is going to function together, all right, the foot 
cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, I don't want you, you leave me alone, you go do your own thing. It ain't going to work that way, is it? All right? It's not going to be a well-functioning body. All right? The ear, right? you were the ear, right? Yep. The ear can't say to the eye over there, right? I don't need you. Okay? By the way, what good is the ear going to be doing if it's going around on a body without eyes and you're running into all the walls and you're just going to be making a bumbling idiot out of yourself, aren't you? Isn't that true? Okay? Now listen, we are the body of Christ. And can I just say this? You all need each other. Amen. And can I say it this way? You all desperately need each other. Because without each other, guess what? You're incomplete and you can't function and you're going to misrepresent Christ. Christ is not some person who's wandering around, maimed and halt and stumbling around trying to figure out his way and find his way without an eyeball. Are you with me? Amen. All right, now let's break this a little more personal, shall we? Okay, now, we're not actually feet and hands, so to speak, all right? We're people, aren't we? So you know what, Chris? You can't look here at Jim and say, Jim, I don't need you, but we're going to do church without you. Can't do that. Jim, you can't look at Chris, and you can't say, you know what, we don't need you, and we can do church without you, because you're one body. I need you, Chris. Hey, you <laughs> Becky, you can't look at Mike back there and you can't say, Mike, we don't need you. Yes, we need him a whole bunch. Mike, you can't look at Becky and you can't say, we can do church without you. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? All right, everybody have a seat. This is what this means, folks. We all need each other. Amen. And if you are a member of this church, you are a member in particular. And if you're trying to do church any other way, then you're operating outside of God's plan for the church, and it is not going to work. Because you, together, ye are the body of Christ. Well, I'm telling you what, that ought to fire you up a little bit. You know, you can study doctrine, and doctrine can be exciting, is what I'm trying to tell you, okay? This is the doctrine of the church. If you went to a theology book, this would be ecclesiology, and you think to yourself, oh, just kill me now, right? (laughs) No, I'm telling you, this is good stuff, and doctrine is exciting, and doctrine impacts the way we function, and the way that we understand doctrine affects how we live and operate and uh, serve Christ as our Savior. So ye are the body of Christ. And every one of us needs every one of us. Let's look here in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Now before we read the verse, I have a little question down here. How did I become the left knee? You with me? I have been in some churches in the past where I have run into people who thought that they should be the pastor. And I have run into people who thought that they should be the deacon. And I have run into people who thought they should be the Sunday school teacher. And I have run into people who thought they should be, you can fill in the blank. Are you with me? I want to ask you a question. Why are you the left knee? Why do you have the role that you have? I think it's an excellent question. And we better understand the answer to this question. Because if we don't understand the answer to this question, we're going to have problems. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. Of all the verses I'm going to share with you this morning, this is so powerful. But now hath 
God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased to him. Why are you the left knee? Because God took you and he, and he set you into his body as the left knee. That's interesting. Now, the left knee shouldn't rebel about being the left knee, should it? The left knee should rejoice in the fact that I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm the left knee and I have a job to do. And if I don't do my job to do, the whole body's going to suffer. Are you with me? This, this word in here that God has set, all right, the members of the church here, it's amazing, right? Um, we are baptized into the church, that we become a member of the church through a believer's baptism, and God sets you into place. When do you think of like pouring concrete or something, right? That concrete sets and it hardens, and that's your job, that's your role, that's what you do. That's how you function in the body of Christ, okay? Now, I'm going to use an example, and pastor's going to be the example because, well, he's here on the front row, all right? Okay, pastor, and because he's here functioning as the pastor of the church. Pastor here is the pastor of this body of Christ, this New Testament local church. Are you with me? Amen. Why is he there? God put him there. God put him there. And you say, well, wait just a minute. Yeah, okay, yeah, God put him there, but we voted on him. Okay, you're right. Okay, so there was a time when he wasn't here. Isn't that right? Then uh, he candidated here. He must have come and preached or something, and y'all were here, and y'all voted, and you said, we want pastor to be our pastor. Is that right? Okay. So when that happened, by the way, that's all according to God's plan as well. Okay? That's all according to God's plan that you vote and that you bring him in. When that happened, God looked down. He said, I'm pleased with this. I'm going to move in the church here to bring this man and his family from wherever they were to live here, and guess what? When Pastor Warnick shows up, since y'all have voted and you have voted him to be the pastor of your church, guess what? God went, and he set him in to the body of Christ here. That's amazing. Amen. And guess what? It pleased him to do so. God set him in here. God did that. Okay? All right. Brother Jim and Chris, you guys are deacons, Right? How come your deacons? Did they vote? The church voted, probably, at some point back in the past, a long time ago, to put these men in these roles as a church. God looked down. God saw what was happening. Everything was going according to his plan. God says, yes, this is good. He worked in your life. He worked in the life of the church. And then he did what? He set them into place. You with me? Why do you do what you do in this church? Because God sets you into it. Amen. You are a part of the body. Amen. And you say, well, I don't have a role here. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit, okay? You should have a role. Every one of us. We're all important. Because the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And by the way, we're all members in particular. And if any one of us is missing or any one of us is falling down and failing to do our parts, guess what's happening? Is that making sense so far? Amen. Where am I at in my notes? Can somebody tell me? Oh, I'm up here. All right, sounds good. All right, let's go to the next slide. We all have different jobs. 1 Corinthians 12, 19 and 20, we read these verses, but let's read them again. It says, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, 
yet but one body. Listen, if we were all hands, that'd be a pretty pathetic body, wouldn't it? So we can't all be the pastor, can we? If everybody was a pastor, there wouldn't be anybody to preach to, for one thing, right? We can't all be deacons. We can't all be Sunday school teachers. We can't all be church secretaries. We can't all be bus drivers. We can't all be children's church workers. We can't all be ground workers. We can't all be whatever it is. You with me? We have to have a whole bunch of different people, a whole bunch of different parts coming together and in unity then becoming the body of Christ. Every person pulling their weight, every person doing what's expected of them. Otherwise, you're not a body. The presence of a body, listen to this, the presence of a body necessitates diversity. Necessitates it. Because we can't all be a hand or we wouldn't be a body. So the presence of a body necessitates that there be diversity. Okay? All right, now, if you are a part of the body, then you have a job to do. If you don't show up, the body can't function properly. Does that make sense? Imagine waking up one day, physically, waking up one day, and your ears decided to take the day off. It's going to be a rough day, isn't it? Right? Imagine waking up one day, and uh, both your pointer fingers decided they were going to take the day off. It's going to be a rough day, isn't it? It's not that they weren't there, they just decided, just decided well, I'm just going to take the day off. What if you don't show up? Well, I suggest to you that then the whole body would suffer. Because, guess what? You have a job to do. And it requires diversity to get everything done. And we all have our jobs to do. And if the hand is expected to do the job of the foot, it's going to be pretty awkward. Does that, does that make sense to everybody? Is the body of Christ supposed to be hobbling around all awkward and everything? I don't think so. I think we all need to be doing what God has asked for us to do. Let's go to the next one here. Instead of, uh, what if I don't show up? What if I just don't do my part? Well, same thing. Same thing. We all need to be doing our part. We all need to be doing our part because all of our parts are important. I want to move into 1 Corinthians 12, chapter, chapter 12 and verse number 25. Let's read it there. The Bible said, this says, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now, there should be unity in diversity. Are you with me? Unity in diversity. There should be no schism. Now, watch what happens to this nice little cute man up here, all right? This is a schism. What is a schism? Well, when you look this up, literally, it means a split. It means a division. It means a tear. That makes sense, right? So figuratively, then, how do we take that and how do we apply that to the local church? And by the way, this is not my words. This comes right out of, well, I don't know what it comes out of, some program that I have that gives me all the Greek definitions and stuff like that, some complicated Thing, you know, that's to give these books complicated titles that you can't even remember so that they seems like it's important, you know. So anyway, it's one of those types of books, right? Figuratively speaking, 
What is a schism? What is a schism in a local church? It is divided loyalties. It is a division of opinion. And it is discord. I think that makes sense to everybody, doesn't it? Now, the local body of Christ. Now listen to me very carefully. Y'all listening? The local body of Christ can be extremely sick. As much as we would like to think that we're the body of Christ, so everything's just fine and it's always perfect, functioning perfectly fine, that's not the case. Okay? The local church can be extremely sick. John wrote to the churches in Revelation, and he told them something. He said, repent. He said, straighten up. Go back to the Bible. Do things God's way. He says, repent, or I'm going to remove your candlestick. You know what the candlesticks are? They are the churches. So here's what God is saying. God is saying, hey, look, you're going to do church, and you're going to do it my way, or you're not going to have a church anymore. You with me? That's pretty serious, isn't it? So the church can be extremely sick. We see in scriptures that some of those churches in the book of Revelation, they were sick to the point that God is threatening them and saying, I'm going to shut your church down if you don't repent and get some things right. The church at Corinth here, what do we know about them? Did they have schisms in the body? They most certainly did. And what he is saying to them is like, hey, look, you better get it right. Repent or I am going to shut your church down. I'm going to get rid of it, is what he said. He said, no, wait a minute. God can't get rid of the local church. He gave us a promise in Matthew chapter 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, that is true in the sense of an institutional sense of the church. There's always going to be a New Testament church somewhere in the world representing Christ as a good body of Christ, doing the will of God, and being an accurate representation of Christ to their community. That is what His promise is. His promise is not that every local church is going to continue. You with me? So God says, look, this is serious. And there shouldn't be any schisms in the body. One way that a church gets into trouble, like the church at Corinth, is to harbor divisions within the body. Any church, anywhere, with schisms, listen to me, is a sick and dying church. It's a sick church, and folks, it's a dying church. The church at Corinth was like this. It had multiple schisms. My little drawing up here only has one. Are you with me? They had multiple schisms. She said, how do you know that they had multiple schisms? Well, take your Bibles and go back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and we're going to look in verse number 10. You all tracking with me this morning? Amen. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, which is Peter, and I am of Christ. In verse number 13, is Christ divided? Is he? He's not, is he? Now here's what was happening here at this church in Corinth, which, by the way, was a sick church, and by the way, was a dying church. Somebody stood up and they said, you know what, there's some men here. 
I am with Apollos. And there's another group that stood up and said, I am with Peter. And another group stood up and said, I'm with Paul. And then, of course, there's a really spiritual group that says, well, I'm with Christ. Okay? Why? That's a sick church, isn't it? Do you see unity there? No, what I see is I see the hand being really upset with the foot. And I see the ear being really upset with the eye. And I'm saying, you know what? I'm with the eye. And another group is saying, I'm with the foot. And another group is saying, I'm with the hand. And another group is saying, oh yeah, well, I'm with the ear. And we don't need the rest of you guys because we got it covered and we got it all figured out. Listen, that's, that's a sick body of Christ. Okay? Now I'm going to, if I can here, I'm going to make this just a little bit uh, personal here for your church. So I'm going to ask Pastor to stand up. I'm going to ask Jim to stand up. And I'm going to ask Brother Chris if you to stand up. All right, so what would that look like here at Calvary Chapel Baptist Church? In Corinth, it was Apollos. In Corinth, it was Peter. In Corinth, it was Paul. What would it look like here if there was a schism in the body? No, it wouldn't have to be this way, but here's what it could look like. It could look like this. I'm with Pastor Warnick. I'm with Jim Lively. I'm with Chris Hinchin. You men can have a seat. You see what I'm saying? That is the biblical definition of a schism. A divided body. A body not functioning in unity. A body saying that they can function without the other parts of the body of Christ. And that would not be right, would it? Now, why do schisms exist? Because, like it or not, we have all known of churches in the past who have had something called the church split, haven't we? Why has that happened? I suggest to you, listen to me carefully, I suggest to you the only reason that happens is because that body was not following the Bible. And that body was not following God's plan. And that body allowed those schisms to form. I say here, schisms exist when Christians fail to follow God's plan. Schisms exist when differences of opinion arise. By the way, differences of opinion are wonderful things. We're not all hands, so we shouldn't all see things the same way. We're not all feet, so we shouldn't see things the same way. Amen? So you give all of those differing opinions. And then the whole body takes and assumes and assimilates all that information and comes to a conclusion. And then the body moves forward unified under the best decision possible given the information that they have. And then everybody in the body has to go in that direction. That's what was supposed to happen. Now the Bible gives us a plan to handle differences that can't be resolved. And it's in Matthew chapter 18. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, and I want us to look here in verse number 15. Because the only reason that a schism, in my mind, can exist is because this passage is not being followed, and this passage is not being obeyed. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15, the Bible says this. Now, are you there? I want you to follow along with me in the passage. Are you there? Amen. Follow along with me as I read the Scriptures, okay? Moreover, 
If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and gather a group of people to be on your side. Is that what the Bible says? No, but that's what we do, isn't it? I can't believe Brother Jim said this. This is ridiculous. I've got to call up Paul. Paul, did you hear what Jim said? This is ridiculous. That's not the way it should be done. It should be done this way. And he explained to him. And then you hang on the phone with Paul. And then you call up here, Brother David. Did you hear what did you hear what Jim said? Oh my goodness, that guy is so far off base. I just oh, I just want to strangle him. I don't know what's going on. What's the matter with that guy? And now what's happened? Whoever is making this call has gotten Paul on his side, and he's gotten David on his side. He makes a few other phone calls, right? And he might have you on his side. And what's going to happen then? You're going to have a schism in the body. And all of a sudden, there's going to be contention, just like there was in the church at Corinth. And this is not God's plan. What does the Bible actually say? Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him, what? Alone. If Jim offends me, the Bible tells me that I need to go to Jim. The Bible does not tell me to go to pastor and then go to Jim. The Bible does not tell me to go to the other deacon and then go to Jim. The Bible does not tell me to go to my wife and then go to Jim. The Bible says, go to Jim. Are you with me? How, with how many other people? None. Go alone. Because you might be able to resolve this thing and it'd be fine. You with me? Boy, I'm telling you, I love God's plan because God's plan is great and marvelous. And you know what? God's plan works. It works. It's exciting because it works. Okay? Go and tell... Him, his fault between thee and him alone. Now listen to this. this. I love this. I love this. I love this. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained what? Thy brother. In other words, and I'm just kind of having a little bit of fun here, but man, you can leave singing Kumbaya, right? I mean, it'd just be great. And you're all going to be on the same page, and you're going to be in love with one another, and, and the difficulty would be put aside, and you'd be like, yes, unity is restored, right? Everything is great. And then guess what? No other phone calls need to be made. That's, that's the plan, okay? And by the way, if you'll do this, this is how it works, okay? It's amazing to me. Um, just take, <clears throat> just take uh, the marriage relationship. Um, a husband and a wife love each other, okay? More than any other person in the world, they love each other. But you know what? There can be some disagreements that come up sometimes, and then there can be some resentment that is being harbored toward that other person, and then that, that can be built up, and man, I know there can just be a... Oh, there can be so much contention going on. And then, whenever the guilty party, whether it's the husband or the wife, goes to the other and says, hey, listen, let's talk about this. I'm having this struggle. This is what I think is going on. And the other person looks at him and says, huh? <laughs> they didn't even know. It was all a misunderstanding. You know, it works like that in the church, too. And then everything's fine, and you're back together, and you're moving forward in unity. I'm telling you. This is what God says. Now, there is a plan to move forward in verse number 16. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the what? The local body of Christ. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man, as a publican. You wanna, I want to tell you how important this business of unity is in the local church. God says, if an issue cannot be resolved, you with me? If an issue cannot be resolved, then somebody's got to go. I mean, that's significant. That's a big deal. I don't want to see that happen. 
I don't want that to happen. That's the body. That's the body of Christ. But yet God says this is, this is a way for us to resolve this so that unity can be maintained. Listen, the church, man, this is the place for unity. This is the place for all of us to be going the same direction. And there is to be no schism. Proverbs chapter number 6. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him, and seven is he that soweth discord among the brethren is an abomination to God. God cares about how the church is operated. He is ahead. These are his rules. And he says, listen to me, there ought to be no schisms, and he ought to be moving together in unity in the same direction under the direction of Christ as the head of the church. How do you heal the schism? Well, you obey the Bible, and you follow Matthew chapter 18. It's really that simple. Now, how's the body supposed to function? Well, without any schisms. Obviously, if there's a schism, the body can't be functioning properly. You know, when I was thinking about this, going through, putting my ordination papers together, preparing these documents, putting together this for this sermon, I got to thinking, if there is schisms in the church, and there were four schisms in the church at Corinth, how many of those schisms would have the head? Only one. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? If there's a schism, only one of them can be right. Only one party can be right. You can't have both parties having the head and being right. That's an impossibility. It can't function that way. Christ is one. And Christ is the head. So there's only going to be one right party. But you know, the title of the message was not about schisms. The title of the message is this right here. Because this is, what's your word, Jim? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I love Jim. I don't know if you can tell. I love Chris. I love Pastor. I love everybody. I want you to know that. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse number 24. It says, For our comely parts have no need, but then the God says this, But God hath tempered the body together. <laughs> tempered, mixed together, blended, united. Um, when a couple gets married today, uh, they do this thing. I didn't do this. We, we did a unity candle when, when I got married. Um, but they will do these things now with sand. Have you seen this? Where one person will have like... A, Sand colored sand. <laughs> I don't even know. Pink, pink sand. Let's say one person will have pink sand, one person will have blue sand, right? And then they take that, and then they have a big vase in the middle, and they do what? They, they pour them in together, and what happens to all those sand particles of those different colors? It mixes, right? And it becomes one. That is God's plan. That's what tempered means here. It means He's made you one, He's mixed you together, He's set you in His body where He wants you to be. The church is supposed to be one big, happy family. That's God's plan. The church is supposed to be one big, happy family in public. The church is supposed to be one big, happy family on Sunday mornings. And the church is supposed to be one happy family behind closed doors. The church is supposed to be one big, happy family. Because we're all members of the body, and we all need one another. Does that make sense? God's plan for the church. Make sure it gets here to the next slide. The church is God's plan for the Christians. Are you with me? 
The church is God's plan for you. You are to be a part of the body of Christ. And you are to be a part of that big happy family. And you are to be a functioning part of the body. The church is where you are fed. You with me? The pastor is commanded in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 to feed the flock of God. This is where you come to be fed. Not that you don't read the Bible on your own, but man, the church plays a role in your life. It is God's plan for you. Okay? It is where you are fed. It is where you fellowship with other believers. It is where you partake of the Lord's Supper. It is where the ordinance of baptism is practiced. By the way, it is where God expects you to be when the body is assembled and put together. Okay? It's where you're supposed to be on Sundays. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. This is where God expects you to be in the church. God expects for you to be a member. By the way, this is a, this is a new thought for me as I have been studying for my ordination document. If the church, the local New Testament church, is the body of Christ, and it is, what, how do you define a person who's a Christian who's not a part of, of a local church who's not a member. Well, they may be a Christian. They may be a born-again believer. But they are not in the body of Christ. That's kind of scary. They're not in the body. We need to be in the body, don't we? Because this is God's plan. It's His idea. Okay? You're to be a member. You're to tithe and give offerings here to the local church. You accomplish the local evangelism through the church. You accomplish the Great Commission and all your missionary support through the church. You disciple new believers in the church. You are a part of the body of Christ, and the church is God's plan for you. And I want to tell you, when the church is healthy, and when the church is functioning like a finely tuned and old machines, I'm telling you, there's no more exciting place to be on the planet Earth than to be in the church, and to be in His body. Now, why did I preach this message? I have no idea. It's what God laid on my heart to preach. I've covered a whole lot of things, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even know how to give an invitation. Okay? But I want to say this. If you're not intimately involved with this church and you don't know what your role is, well, talk to somebody faster, find out what you can do, and get yourself involved. 